You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. For a sunny Tuesday, I've got the sun directly in my eyes, you know, occupational hazard, I guess. This is the 2022 Women's Awards Show. We have Best Sprinter. Won't probably have to spend too long on that one. Best domestique, (laughs) cobbler, puncher, time trialist, GC rider, team, and best overall cyclist in the world. So we're bookending it with some obvious picks, but there are some tricky ones in there, like puncher, cobbler, maybe. Domestique, too, is always an interesting one, how you balance second in the lead out versus some like a Van Dyke. So we'll get all into that as always this show is presented by zwift which is also the title sponsor of the twitter france fam avec zwift and paru bay fam avec zwift there's also a new feature and probably i'm the first person to on i think i was on um jungle circuit yesterday and there's your ghost or a ghost appears that's it's basically your pace for your PB on that on that course. And anyway, I saw it and I was just tootling along doing my uh, allotted hour, as I said, now that I'm back from Paris each day. And I went past my pace ghost and I started talking trash to it, uh, my own past version of myself saying, you, you ain't got nothing. So... I mean, I guess I guess it works. So that's proof of concept. <laughs> I started oh talking God. trash to my own pace ghost and, you know, it had nothing on me, previous me. So I actually really like that feature um, just because it's like you sometimes you join a group but then like a group will be – a group might annoy you or like sometimes they go too quick on the climbs and you're trying to do steady pace. But like when you're just trying to improve on your previous best, I really like chasing the ghost actually – uh, even when I'm tootling along. Have you done that, Benji? Do you talk trash to your own own ghost? I don't talk trash to my own ghost. I think the fun part about it is that it, it gives me an idea on how to pace my PB, and I don't necessarily go too hard at the start. I don't go too hard at the end, like stuff like that. It makes sure that I keep the tempo necessary to follow my ghost and then beat it right on the line and get my PB. That's how I view it. Yeah, that's probably... No, I like to let the ghost know. Um, if, <laughs> I don't let it stay in my draft. Anyway, best sprinter of 2022. Uh, cut to the chase. It is Lorena Vibers. She's won. Uh, let me have a look. How many races did she win in 2022? Wow, the list goes. It's like 20 races, 23 races or something. Um, and, and a lot of them were at World Tour Level 2. So, yeah, it's obviously her um she's going to sd works next year she sprinted so well she even won gc at, at simac ladies tour for example or ride london classic she won shelter price women's one day race she won the european champs she won two tour de france firm stages it's 
probably in all of cycling, Benji, she is the clearest best in her discipline. I would almost more than Van Vleuten in GC, maybe not, but I think it's probably Vibers actually. I think so as well. It's so it's so easy to define her in one specialty because she's so goddamn good at sprinting compared to others who might be good at sprinting but might have other disciplines like Kopecky who can sprint the top five sprints but is mainly a cobbler on the side and so forth. So some riders are specializing in one discipline. That's the Lorena Weavers of this world. Some are defining across others as well. But she is clearly by far the best here. You mentioned it. 21 sprint victories. I think two GCs next to that. 11 World Tour ones. That's just uh, mad performances. And when I look at the other sprinters in the category, I think some disappointing ones this year, perhaps. Emma Norsgaard. I think she had two wins this year, including Kreisbrae's Elite and Le Sommet, if my memory serves me right. And that is not necessarily what we expected from an Emma Norsgaard a few years ago. We expected that sprint to grow onwards and next to that, her cobble skill to also grow a bit. And I feel like she stagnated a bit in this season. And then the next one, Charlotte Cole, this is a special one, you know, because she's technically the lead out of Wibbers, but she ended up winning twice, I think, this season, one of which was with the lead out of Wibbers for her. So that's quite insane. Wibbers could have won another one if she sprinted for herself there. She will be the prime sprinter at DSM next year. So that's something I'm actually looking forward to because she's the one sprinter in the peloton where I'm like, if she levels up, she might be getting closer towards Wibbers than the others have so far. And a sprinter that we've seen get close to Wibbers quite a few times in the last couple of years, beating Wibbers head-to-head, I think two or three times across the years, is Elisa Balsamo. And she had nine sprint victories, of which six were World Tour. But a disappointing Tour de France femme. She was not on the level we expected her to be there. Her best part of the season was the first part, winning the likes of Kent Wevelgem and Brigitte Ponnet, Rafael Alfredo Binda, those type of races. So she went the more versatile sprint way at the start of the season and couldn't really deliver it to the France femme necessarily. So yeah, the head-to-head versus Wibbers there was not top-notch when it comes to Balsamo on paper. Chiara Consoni at Volcar. She's going to UAE, if I recall. Five sprint victories, one World Tour one in there. I would argue that she probably could have had a chance at a second, uh, well, a sixth victory there if she wasn't completely destroyed in, what was it, Valenciana or Valencia at the start of the season by a deviation of that Movistar rider. Oh, Barbieri? Or no, it's Barbieri on no. Guarishi. Guarishi, that is the name indeed. And Barbieri, Barbara, I see where we got wrong there. (laughs) Mariano Vos, uh, the literal translation from Dutch to English is probably Mary Fox. Eight victories, eight World Tour victories. So pretty insane that all her victories are World Tour ones. Not all of those are sprint victories, but I couldn't be bothered checking individually which one is a sprint victory and which one isn't. But there were a few sprint victories in there. What, sorry? Well, like, oh, do we count the win against Persico in the first one in the Tour de France? There was a small group uphill. Meh. I don't count that, actually. Um, and the Scandinavia ones, some of them count, some of them don't count. But then I don't think Balsamo or Vibas were there, which you know, yep. can only be who you are. But uh, I think the majority of them were sprints. But yeah, a couple were puncher wins. Still, though, like compared to Consoni, she's won a lot more, a lot more sprints. I do count versatile sprints if it's a flat sprint. 
and a yep. group of 20. So, for example, when Voss, her second win at the Tour de France Femme of X-Swift, stage six, that was like there's 39 riders on the same time. Bastianelli, Kopecky, Balsamo are all there. Vibas is not. That counts as a sprint to me. Uh, just, yeah, even though there was a climb close-ish to the finish. Um, but, yeah, sorry. Oh, yes. Who do you put on third and second, knowing we are so clear about the first oh, place? Balsamo so Vibas. Balsamo okay, second, and then Voss third. Voss third? Hmm. Voss got... beat Balsamo multiple times in flat sprints this year at Girodonna. She won. She's way better than Consani. Ah, I'm not 100% on that. I think I've got clear Wibbers first. I've got clear Balsamo second, despite that flat sprint not being at the necessary level of actually being competitive with Wibbers in the Tour de France Femme. Um, Mariana Voss, I feel like the majority were still like punchy sprints and so forth. There were a few, like you mentioned, that second Tour de France Femme one, for example, where she was there. A Kopecky, a Cole, a Norsgaard, that doesn't fit it for me. I'm personally leaning more towards a Consani when talking pure sprint, but I get why you put Voss in third. So it's a really close one. And just because I want to make more souls happy today, I'll put Consani on third instead of Voss there. But I agree that I understand why you would put Voss on the third spot. I'll go yeah. for it. Yeah. It's kind of like I do value the versatility. Um uh, it's kind of it's important um but yeah that's the top three we have the top two is identical i think there's also we said for vibas there's a clear gap between her and everyone else i also for balsamo think with when she gets a half decent lead out there's also a decent gap between her and, and the rest yeah. uh as well but yeah, Vibas just on another level. Best domestique of 2022. This is oh sorry, before before we get move on, just a word on Charlotte Cool. Do you think she'll step up? Like yeah. what's DSM kind of know what they're doing, the women's team with the sprints. Like, do you think she can win? I think she wins the Tour de France Femme of Swift stage next year. Ooh la la, that's a big call. I I see the potential of winning a big race. I agree with that. And the thing is now she'll get so many more opportunities. We'll be able to actually like compare her to the others properly instead of being able to do it once or twice per year, which is going to give us a better idea, a more all-round idea of what her skills are and how her limits are seen at the moment. And I think she'll step up. I think she'll be in the top three sprinters of the world next season. And I wonder how Weebus will be affected by her transfer to SD Works. If I recall, they have actually transferred also over next to Wibus a um a lead out for her if my memory serves me right was it Guarishi that is also joining the team yes indeed so if that becomes the lead out of Wibus there they've at least got a bit more of a team ar around Wibus because that would also mean that Kopecky wouldn't be the lead out is what I see based on that depending on who's on the start list of each race and so forth but hey I guess we'll see what Wibbers has as an influence next year. I still expect her to be top sprinter, but she might have a bit less victories because the team might not be all-round built around her. Is that a, a bad assumption? Well, yeah. Like, would I think having Pfeiffer Georgie, Megan Yastrav, Florchi Mackay, it's pretty, uh, amongst others, it's, it's a good sprint train. And, yeah, we'll see how the SD Works teams go because – in the best domestique of 2022 now, not too many SD Works names popping up like Majerus. 
she was I think in my list last year but not this year they had a few issues I think uh kind of everyone writing for themselves Neve Fisher Black maybe the notable exception in a few races uh but Trek are heavily featured with Van Dyke Longaborghini who often rode for Balsamo and races like Trofeo Alfredo Binder, Cordon Rigaud, uh, and Chap. No, Chapman's going there next year. Uh, sorry, she'll win <laughs> next year on Trek. So that's the three Trek riders. Where do you, how do you s- sort between them? Because it's kind of like Cordon Rigaud does the early work or she'll go in a bait move ahead. Longaborghini will do the last lead out sometimes and Van Dyke is like the puller back of moves with say 10Ks to go. Exactly. I think Van Dyke is the better one of the three in my eyes when it comes to domestique work and is more centered around the domestique work. There's less races where Van Dyke is leader, only Roubaix, if my memory serves me right. So if we look at those three, Longoborghini has more leadership and more races. Cornerago is more the attacking type and indeed Van Dyke is, first of all, the second last woman in the lead out. And next to that, also the rider that pulls back moves. And not only for the track team, but also for the Dutch team. She was pretty vital in the world championships in pulling back moves and getting groups back and trying to keep on flirting in the race, despite her not having the best day with her arm and so forth. So I think out of those three, I'd give it to Van Dijk. But we've got plenty of others and other teams that also deserve to be named. And a team that deserves to be named, despite... Their rider is not having the fame of a Van Dijk, for example, is a Movistar because Van Vleuten wins a shitload of races, but we might say, oh, it's a one-woman army, but it's actually not the case. If you look at the races, they use their team well to try and launch Van Vleuten at certain moments. They try and neutralize until a certain climb to then launch Van Vleuten. And I feel like some names to be named are the likes of Eleni Sierra, who has been a domestique in some races, a co-leader in other races. Uh, she's a very punchy type and would arguably be able to win Amstel if they focus completely on her. Otto Bionic, also a rider on that team that has been vital in a lot of races. I think Omlop, she was pretty vital in bringing back the group that was ahead and launching on Omlop together with the entire team. And if not the most important one this year, last year we had Sarah Martin as being the last woman in front of Van Vleuten on many of the races like San Sebastian and so forth. But this year I feel like that role has gone towards a young Colombian rider, Paula Patino, and she's been pretty vital as the last launcher of Van Vleuten on Climb. So out of those three, I think Bionic deserves it, but I think Patino also deserves it being the uh, the uh, last woman in front of Van Vleuten before she, she launches. Is she a rider on Super I think Porsche? she was. I think she was, actually. Yeah. Like Kemner style? When... Yeah. Yeah. Because remember, she's very small, right? Um and she pays for learn for a bit. But yeah, like you look, you can't win without a team no matter how good you are. And maybe Van Vleuten could win some races, but she wouldn't win as many. And you look at the team that Van Vleuten would always bring with her to races and it would have Patino for the big races. It would have Sierra, Oldebjanic. So yeah, they particularly, yeah, Patino seemed to step up uh, this year. Brody Chapman was always good at FDJ. Um, she got a few opportunities herself this year, but you know I think she was very, very good. Leadouts are tricky. Like how much last woman do we 
do they count? I, I guess they do in this instance. So like Pfeiffer Georgia, I think, always did a good job for DSM. Rihanna Marcus was good and Anna Henderson for Jumbo Visma. Or, uh, Anna Henderson got a little bit more of her own role this year, but they were good for Voss throughout the year as well. Um, but my first is Ellen Van Dyke. Asked to give it to her. Okay. Uh, then I'm going with, um, oh, I don't know. I, so, the Trek riders, I just remember them so much more. And Domestique is always so subjective. Um, but then I'm going to go with Marcus second. And okay. I have to give a Movistar rider third, Bianich. But that's kind of a team Movistar award. Okay. I've got a, a different top three. As in, I've got one, the same rider, which is I've got Von Daken first. So at least we agree above, uh, about the top step. So that's, I guess, a good win here in this, in this um, discussion. But my other two are different. And there's so many other riders. Like I recall Bertizola and Magnaldi being really good at the World Championships for Italy and keeping it together and so forth, trying to keep Balsamo in the race and so forth, that kind of stuff. But they just don't make the top three for me. And... I think Patino's satellite rider work into the France Farm compared to her launching Von Vleuten in so many ways. I think she deserves that second spot for me and Chapman in third, who has been both a rider that was sent forward in the likes of Ronde van Vlaanderen and so forth. Eventually, she got caught, I think, on the last Paterberg. And then in other races, she was domestique like Flesh Wallon. She brought back the break, a dangerous breakaway, together with Evita Music. But when Chapman was at the front, she was doing most of the work and closing that down. And then she got some opportunity herself. So the Swiss, for example, was strong there. But majority of the season, domestique work. And I look forward to see what she does at Trek. And that is my top three. Alan Van Dijk, Patino, Chapman. Okay. Hard to disagree with that. Uh, yeah, Patino, I could, you know, could go with as well. Best cobbler of 2022. I think, again, the top step is pretty clear. Lotta Capecchi, winner of Tour of Flanders. She also gets a 0.5 or for Strada Bianca because um, it's a half cobble race. <laughs> Second in Danilith Nogueira Cursa, which is a dot pro race. Fourth in Ken Babelhem. It doesn't count? Okay. Oh, she's just... she. In all these one-day races, from Strada to Parry Bay, where she came second for a month, she finished in the top five in all but one of them, and it was ninth in Brugge which was, I think, a pure bunch sprint. Yes. Uh, yes, it was. So she's clearly first when you have – I mean, I say that, but I didn't give Dylan Van Baal first and he came second in Flanders and first in Roubaix. <laughs> but um, I think Kopecky was the strongest cobbler. Um, and yeah, do you agree at least on the top step, Benji? I agree on the top step for the main reason that she won RVV. And next to that, she would have won Roubaix if his D-Works' tactics were at least a bit comparable because uh, it was comprehensible what they were trying that day. They had uh, Vandenbroek Black and Majerus as leader at the start. And then last minute, they switched towards Kopecky when it was far too late to switch to Kopecky. If Kopecky has such a season up to that point, she's 100% the leader for that race. I don't give a fuck what the actual individual expectations of the other two are. It's clear that she's the better one on that parkour that day. And that she has the finishing touch as well that a Vandenbroek Black and a Majerus don't have. You can use the others to go up the road and so forth. but. In the end, she's the leader, and they didn't use her as that. So, 
hey, that's what happens. But she's still first, um, despite not winning Roubaix next to RVV. Other cobblers? I think Van Vleuten's supposed to be uh, named here because one Omlob just ahead of Volring in that last sprint at the end after riding away on the Mur. Then we had second in Strade, counts a bit. Uh, second at RVV, just behind Kopecky. But um, she didn't ride Roubaix, right? Or am I really stupid right now? She didn't ride Roubaix. She sh- I think she said she'd never do it again because she that's where <laughs> she hurt herself last year and she, yeah. uh, she fractured her hip or something. So... She didn't do RVV, but yeah, it's kind of goes under the radar how good her classics, cobble classic season was, you know, yep. like it just because her Ardennes was so good and then all there's all the GC success. So it's hard between her and Balsamo. Balsamo can really finish the easier classics. She won Hent Vavelhem, um, but then Roubaix and... Uh, RVV are way too hard for her. I'm not even sure where she came in there. She yeah, she came 28th in in RVV. <coughs> DQ'd in Roubaix. <laughs> oh yeah, so oh yeah, that was a long sticky bottle. That was funny. Actually, actually yeah, that was the thumbnail <laughs> of the video. I'm going Van Vleuten second, Balsamo third, just because there's no other real standouts that one. You know, maybe like Chiara Consoni won Dua's duel, but then nothing else. Okay. I'm going to be a bit controversial here. I did not include Balsamo in this list. And the reason I didn't is because I don't see those like, again, Dwevelheim of the world and so forth. Those races which have some cobbles but are destined to be a sprint. I don't see those necessarily as the, as the cobble races of the world. I'm looking at an RVV. I'm looking at a Roubaix. I'm looking at an Omelope. Those type of races. So... For me, I'm pointing at my completion of the podium first, Kopecky. But when it comes to the second spot, I'm most likely going to be pointing at Van Vleuten for second. I think winning Omelope second RVV is definitely out of that spot. Why do I not put Longo Borghini on second? I'll put Longo Borghini on third. She won Roubaix. But the reason that she's not second for me is that Dagnan won Roubaix by going early last year. Longo Borghini did it in a tactical way a team um, performance where they outplayed SD-Works and SD-Works completely bottled it. And as a consequence, Longo Borghini got away and was able to build out her lead. I think Longo Borghini won by being one of the stronger riders, but she was not necessarily the strongest rider that day. And for me, that results in Longo Borghini getting third, Van Vleuten in second, Kopecky in first in this list. Is that a manageable top three? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Oh, and also, like Longoborghini had to ride for Balsamo in races like Binder. Yeah. If we're making it, you know, more classicy, Binder, Brugge Panach, and Vavelhem. All right, that's cla- oh, cobbled, uh, best cobbled rider, best puncher. This is a tricky one. Again, definitional issues. If you win a puncher race, not in a punchy way, does that count? A la Remco, although Liege she did, but Worlds he kind of didn't. Annemiek van Vleuten, for example, won Liège, but she did just ride away on the climb. Um, but then she was second in Flesh and Strade when Kopecky, um, yeah, beat her in the, the punch to Siena, fourth in Amstel when Cavalli was just on fire. Cavalli, I mean, she had a pretty good art then campaign when first in Flesh, first in Amstel, and sixth in Liège, and then 
she got oh no she was good in the Giro Donna too but then she obviously crashed out of the tour and that was kind of her season done she was sixth in Emilia afterwards um and not quite in her Arden form I'm going still with Cavalli first in this category I then have Van Vleuten second I then the now it's between Ludwig and Voss Voss is not winning any punch on 1,500 metres 10% or 2Ks 10% like a murder we, but on 500 metres 6%, that's where she wins a lot of races, where she beat Persico in the first tour stage, Scandinavia stage. Um, So that's the toss-up and Ludwig too. So I'm going still with Voss third just because Ludwig only has that one uh, punchy win, whereas Voss has a few more. I think that's a, I think that's a good take. I think I've got Cavalli in first. I um, have a similar opinion to you. Winning Amstel Flesh, she was the strongest when it comes to the uh, punchy races on those days, the real punch. And then Von Vleuten won LBL and World Champs, LBL. I feel like LBL in women's cycling is more of a climber race than a pure puncher's race than it is in men's cycling. Is that a... Yeah. I think Is that so. The, right comment? the climb, I mean, it's marginally it takes marginally longer, but also like the sequencing of you know Rochefoucauld Redoute. It's yeah, it's a lot of climbing in a short period of time compared to a lot of the races. And yeah, someone like Van Vleuten or Van der Brecher can and have in the past made the differences easily. Like not just punching away with an attack, they yeah. literally set a tempo, and people drop. Exactly, that's kind of the take I have. And um, Von Vleuten is still second for me. Winning LBL and World Champs is still next level. I'd argue that World Champs is... She wasn't the best punch on that before, but she survived and was able to come back to the front group and was able to ride away in the last section. I, It's a puncher's race, but not really the puncher's victory, is what I'd say. Second in Fletch, second in Strade, those are good results. Kopecky winning RVV and Strade, I'd say that RVV is a tiny bit punchy, majority gobbly. So same for Strade, also half-half. So that's why she's not in the top three for me. Thing with Leona Lippardis, I would argue that she was probably the top three pure puncher rider this year. But she has no results to back it up because she can't finish it off. Like the only race where she could potentially do it is the likes of an Amstel, but Cavalli was better in that race because the group was larger. So I don't see it for her despite... Despite feeling like at Worlds, she was by far the strongest puncher, for example. Miviadoma was that type of rider last year, where we had the feeling that she could punch away on a, a one-kilometer, uh, 12% climb, whatever, and um, then couldn't finish it off afterwards. That's the type of feeling I have with Lippert this year. And Miviadoma just had a bad, a bad first part of the season. Her Tour de France fun kind of saved it for her. But um, following with him, Grabonse, I'm going to... It's difficult, huh? How much do we rate an Emiliana Trivali Varazini? The competition there was not significant. Longoborghini won both of them. I think I'm going to go for Ludwig on third or Voss. I'm also like on the edge of those two because if Voss would have won that second Tour de France farm stage ahead of Ludwig, the one that Ludwig ended up winning, I would have given it to Voss. But because that didn't happen, I'm going to give it towards Ludwig. Is that viable? I don't agree, 
but fair <laughs> enough. Um, I didn't like the way Ludwig raced this year, um, but she also, I think, won a small group sprint at the end of it. Was it was a climb, but it was a group. And it flattened out at the end of Scandinavia. She wanted a punchy way, I think, ahead of Lippert. Yeah, it's it's justifiable. Anyway, best time trialist of 2022. I have the world champ on top. I think last year it might have been a little bit closer between uh, – no, Royce beat her in the European champs by six seconds. Uh, I've got Ellen van Dijk first, and then if she's first, the clear second is Marlon Royce. Van Dijk pretty much goes to any race where there is a TT, and she usually wins or comes second. Um, and so the difficulty for me is who is third. We've got the bike exchange team all doing good time trials, Faulkner the best of them, and then Brown a surprise medal at the World Championships. Well, maybe not home World Championships second, putting 30 seconds into Royce too. And the problem for her is not many TTs at all. In fact, she won the Australian National Champs and then that was her only... No, then, and then she won Com Games TT. So she's clear third for me. Faulkner didn't have enough other results and then there's no other standouts. I mean, Van Vleuten, of course... But she crashed in the World Champs TT. Vollering didn't do too many. Um, so, yeah, I got Brown because the results speak for themselves. Yeah, I think that's a good top three. It's exactly the one I had on my list as well. I have um, uh, Von Dijk in first, Royster in second, and I've got Brown in third, but was really close with Faulkner because Faulkner started off the season well. I think she won a time trial at the Tour de Suisse and won the prologue at the Giro d'Italia done if my memory serves me right so those two plus then getting um sixth at the world championships which was after she was a bit meh when it comes to her preparation towards it after uh, i think an illness towards it so i think without that illness she might have gotten the top three there and we might have seen a, a top three step for her in this list but unfortunately she didn't make it. let's hope she does next year so that's it for time trial not too much to add von Dijk just simply the strongest why do we not put a von vleuten on this list because she wasn't able to prove it with too many World Tour time trials this year? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. She crashed out of World Champs T. No. Did she finish the World Champs TT? Von Vleuten? Yeah. I think she did. Seventh or something? Seventh. But isn't she that crashed where... in the relay, by the way. Oh, it's the relay she crashed in. Oh, Okay. That's why I was so confused. And the relay was after the individual TT because I remember, her, okay, it was the relay. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, seventh in world champs and then sixth in a prologue. You can't give it to her, even if, you know, in theory she is a top five TT rider on a hilly course. So did she win the Olympics TT? She did easily. It wasn't actually, this year, yeah. so. It wasn't. Anyway. Best GC rider, speaking of Amin Van Vleuten, best GC rider climber, like this is obvious. Um, she did the triple TDFF, uh, Giro, and Vuelta, although the Vuelta is a little bit shorter. Like there's no discussion to be had. Van Vleuten's best GC rider slash climber in the world. It's, again, like incredibly dominant. We don't see anything like it in, in men's cycling. The difficulty is then the second and third positions where we have a Cavalli who was looking really, really good in the Giro Rosa, the Giro Donna, and then crashed out of the Tour. Uh, Vollering, who was 
pretty good throughout the year, but didn't take a step up. But was still good, but I was maybe a little bit disappointed. Mulman, who beat Van Vleuten at Romandy, but then that's at the end of the year. And then she crashed or DNF or abandoned the tour. And SD Works were kind of weird at the tour. And then there's a few others like Le Bupers, Go Longer Borghini. But yeah, who have you got in your, I assume you have Van Vleuten first, Benji. Who are your second and third positions? I've actually not got... Okay, I do. I have Van Vleuten first. <laughs> I've got Van Vleuten in first. And when it comes to my second spot, I'm going to have to give it to Volring this year as Volring was able to get that second spot at Tour de France Somme, which is more valuable in my eyes than doing something at the Giro Don, for example. Um, I also believe that Van Vleuten dominated its Ulya women by winning three stage and ended up winning the GC. So that's... Uh, a pretty vital result in that list for me. Next to that, getting third at Seratizit adds on to that a tiny bit. Kavali's second at Girodon is valuable, but crashing out of Twitter France from really headed that potential second spot for me. So, following in second, and I will put Kavali in third with the side note that I actually kind of forgot how good she is at time trialing or how messy she is at time trialing. I think she got close to like winning Cronde d'Asnion last year. But then this year she only had one time trial or prologue in Girodon, so we didn't get to see that much. So I, I'd like to re-see her time trial skill next year to be able to judge that properly because it's been a while since we've seen her on a on a time trial bike outside of that prologue at the Girodon. But some names I want to mention is Juliette Labou, fourth at Tour de France from winning Vuelta Burgos despite there having been a crash, I think, of Ollering in the early days there. That... That still matters. I'd say she ends up in the top five of this list for me because Longo Borghini was fourth at Girodon, sixth at Tour de France Femme, and so forth. So that's something there. There's one rider that beat uh, Van Vleuten at a race here on a mountain, and that's that's Mormon, but I wouldn't put her in the top five of this list for me. Am I wrong in that? Because... Yeah, I mean, she needs a specific type of course, which is a climb to Tion 2000, where... In Van Vleuten's peak condition, I think she's still better than Mulman, but yep. I think Mulman might even be better than Volering on a climb like that, actually. We just, in the tour, we did not have a climb that hard. Uh, I can't remember next year. They have the Tourmalet, which is a little bit harder. In fact, it's very similar, but maybe even a little bit harder than Dion 2000. So that's where we'll see. Mulman's changed team. Um She's going to AG Insurance NXTG. We'll see how she goes and stacks up against Volering on the the Tourmalet. So, but yeah, my second is Volering. I feel like Cavalli could have, if she didn't get crashed out of the tour, I really thought she might have been a bit better than Volering, actually. Yeah. Um, but she didn't, and Volering beat her in Basque Country and some other races. So, uh, but, and Cavalli for me is a clear, is a clear third. She was... 152 off Van Vleuten in the Giro Donna, and then there was like five minutes behind her, and she also, I think, pushed Van Vleuten a little bit. She let be her on a, a climbing stage, maybe it was a descent attack, and took some time back uh, on Van Vleuten. I can't remember which, not stage seven, stage nine she did. So that's always impressive to see stuff like that. Um, and, yeah, I... There's no one else really that won or consistently came second or third in a lot of other races. You know, Faulkner, uh, not Faulkner. Uh, Labou was good in some, but in the top, top world tour races, she wasn't podiuming consistently. 
I think so as well. That's my take as well. Now, after doing the GC lists, is there a, a difference between GC rider and climber, you think? I'd say no, because Van Vleuten is still the best climber in my eyes. I think a Molman just moves up a tiny bit, perhaps. But then again, it's kind of... We've had a season where time trial really wasn't that vital. So I feel like GC rider is kind of climber at this point, in uh, this season at least. But we've gone over the individual trophies. We've had... Best sprinter, best domestique, best cobbler, best puncher, best time trialist, best GC rider. Now on to one that is more uh, within the group. The best team of 2022, which was it? And we've got some names that can be given to the likes of the number one team in the world on paper is D-Works. Movistar is there with Von Vleuten being the rider that took up, I think, over half of their points this year. Volcar being a team that can be named with Persico, with Consoni for the sprints and so forth. FDG out there who punched above their weight, I would dare to say, with Cavalli stay, stepping up with the likes of a, a Tour de France stage win when Cavalli ended up crashing still for Utrecht Ludwig, that kind of stuff. Trek Segafredo, arguably technically the strongest in the likes of Roubaix and so forth, and played the best as a team. Does that make them the number one team in the world for you, Trek Segafredo? Uh, yeah, they are, actually. And I have Movistar second. And I SD works are kind of like UAE, aren't they? Like their tactics in some of these races were horrendous. I don't know why Toby keeps running up to me. Really, he wants something from me. Um, but yeah, SD works eleven World Tour wins and Ronde van Vlaanderen, so a monument. But then Roubaix, they kind of stuffed. They did win two World Tour GCs, and they won Strada, which is a big, big race for the women and. Trek were 12 World Tour wins. A lot of them were stages, but there was Paris-Roubaix in the women's tour there as well, and three classics with Balsamo, where it was a whole-of-team performance, uh, particularly Trofeo Alfredo Binder was really impressive. Uh, and, yeah, Movistar, like, it's kind of like UAE last year. They won the three, three of the biggest races, and stages along the way and Liège. I know it's all Van Vleuten, but there's other riders in there and they form the team around us. So, yeah, I have Trek, Movistar, SD Works. Is there anyone on which team am I missing out on? Um, A DSM, do you consider that, considering work around Rebus in the same way that they do for Van Vleuten? True, yeah. How do you balance, like, they have 16 World Tour wins and they're all Vibas, but like they literally have a lead out. So it's kind of more important than Movistar. How do I balance GC and and sprints? Yeah, it's close. Uh, but I'm still going with they would I'm still going with SD Works third and Movistar second because DSM in other races, like with Lippet, the team tactics I don't think were always great. Okay, I get that top three, and I've got uh, exactly the same one. The reason that is D-Works doesn't deserve to be on the first and second spot is because, just like in the men's cycling, we talk about UAE as having a top rider, Pogacar, and because she's so, he's so good, oh, getting it wrong here for a second, because Pogacar is that good at UAE, they tactically don't have to be good to be able to win races, and you see that because their tactics are really off when it comes to the men's UAE team. And when we look at the SD works, they are so good when it comes to their whiff of the team with so many top riders that they don't have to be tactically good to win races, which makes them the number one points-based 
team in the world. But if we look at the tactics they have, they completely bottled the likes of Roubaix. Their tactics in RVV were also not top notch despite winning that race. So there's so many races where tactically they should have done better and they could have won so much more than they did if they played it better. So as a consequence, they punched below their weight tactically and as a team. So that's why I put them third instead of second and first. Movistar in second for the same reason you put it there because uh, Van Vleuten is a uh, top-notch and the rest of the team were built around her in those races. Norsgaard, perhaps the one that was a bit man that team, but first I would argue that we have the likes of Trek Segafredo and we see that Trek Segafredo is a team that in a lot of races just rides as a team and knowing that the team-based victories that they have are so vital, like for example, Trofeo Alfredo Binda, Patrick just spoke about it. That's a race where Longoborghini spent her complete race to be with Balsam when that Van Dijk was also there to help out Balsam and so many of these one-day races. They were as a team surrounding Balsamo in Roubaix. They played it so well with rolling attacks. Longoborghini was the one that went up the front. So Trek Segafredo was the team for me when it comes to the best team of 2022. And that's what you predicted at the start of the season. I was skeptical at the start of the season when it comes to SD Works versus Trek, but you said Trek's going to be the better team in 2023. So uh, Too many cooks right. in the kitchen. Yep. Too many cooks in the kitchen at SD Works. So that's why the integration of Veeb is going to be fascinating next year. Whereas like Longo Borghini, the Italian world champ, comes over from Volcar. She got zero problem riding for her because she knows the only way she can win Roubaix is team tactics being paid back to her because one-on-one she might not be the strongest. So they all buy into that philosophy at Trek. It seems for the most part I'm really keen to see how Chapman goes moving into a system like that. It could be really interesting, particularly in the Ardennes where they don't have anyone that can really sprint too well so they need to use team tactics they also don't have the best puncher so chapman i think will be we'll see her in moves next year anyway trek like sd works should be the best team in the world they should be um with all the riders they have uh they should be next year as well but they weren't this year they didn't quite make it work the volering volering and mulman on the road without (laughs) van der brecher Without Van der Brecher, it didn't look so good this year. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, best cyclist in the world. Van Vleuten for me is one. I know Vibers won more races. I know she won you know, 23 races, uh, a dozen or so at World Tour level, including one days. But Van Vleuten won all three of the big GC races plus others plus a monument plus she was good in the classics plus she won uh world championships like with a broken fucking arm so like it just has to be Van Vleuten first even when she wasn't on she still won like Van Vleuten first Vibas second and I haven't made up my mind on third yet despite thinking about it for a little bit so I'll let you do your one two Okay, I've got the same one to it. Simple. Annemiek van Vleuten in first. She was the best rider of the season with all those races she won. Giro, uh, Seratisi Challenge, Tour de France Femme, World Championships, and plenty of other ones. I think Valenciana at the start of the season. Lorena Uber is the best sprinter in the world. And compared to men's cycling, in women's cycling, we have a clear sprinter that is so much better than the rest. So much that she deserves to be mentioned in the best cyclist of the world. We don't have that in men's cycling since the passing of, well, not the passing, but 
the removal from the peloton of the likes of Marcel Kittelen, Mark Cavendish at their prime. So it's good to see that in women's cycling we have that type of rider because that means we can name them as best cyclists in the world, or at least in the in the podium category. So second is Lorena Wibus. And the rest of the riders have like half a season where they were amazing and half a season where they disappointed. As in, Kopecki was amazing at the start of the season with the likes of RVV, plenty of other races in the couple of seasons, so that's amazing. But... Tour de France from disappointing. Balsamo, exactly the same thing. First half of the season, perfect. Second half, disappointing. Mariano Vos, first half of the season, disappointing. Second half, perfect. Cavalli, first half of the season, perfect. Second half, crashed out and as a consequence, disappointing. So this is becoming pretty difficult to, to guess. No, Demi Volring, consistent throughout the season, but not getting those top results that you would expect from a Volring. So I will go for... A Cavalli in third because she's the only one of the lists where the disappointing results were because of an injury and not because of them just being worse. Is that a valid reason? I'll take it anyway, regardless. Uh, I'm going with Balsamo. She won okay. six World Tour races. Three of them were World Tour Classics. Cavalli only two World Tour level Classics plus Montlant 2. Of course, she was better in GC at the Giro Donna. Uh, and then Balsamo won stage two of the two stages of the Giordana and a stage at Theratizit. I think she would clearly, like, inarguably be third if she'd won a Tour de France Femme of Exus yes. stage, but she didn't. Um, so that has to count against her. If Cavalli, if she'd just come third in the Tour de France Femme, uh, I would probably have a third. Uh, she didn't. I know she crashed out, not her fault. So I'm going with Balsamo just because her start of the year in the World Champs jersey. Um, yeah, those classics going one, two, three in the space of that was in the space of a week, winning three World Tour classics. Um, yeah, I think she was still really good. Um, but yeah, that's that's my top three. Uh, any other any other notes from the the season, Benji? The any other predictions for next year? Someone who you thought they had like a bad year through no fault of their own and they're going to step up next year or just a young rider that might progress like a Muzic or a Labou? Like is Labou with that Tourmalet an actual viable candidate for third in the, in the Tour de France Femme with next year? I think she is because it's only one spot difference, eh? Like there's obviously the factor where Cavalli might finish that that Tour de France from and end up in that spot, end up being third then instead of Labou. But if you're fourth in the Tour de France from, you can fight for the uh, third spot in the Tour de France from. I'm saying that, but on the men's side, I'm saying that Godou will never put him in the Tour de France. So I'm, yeah, I'm but working there was with a huge, She was only like 40 seconds behind Nuvia Doma. Yeah. In, and it's different. Like, Godou was nowhere near Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Now, I would argue that I'd like to see, I look forward to seeing Chapman at Trek and see what that pushes into that team directive there. I think that's an addition to that team that will make the team stronger there. I think UAE is going to be a top three team next year. Getting Consoni, getting Persico, getting loads of riders surrounding that. I think UAE is going to make a major step up and will be in the at least the top four teams when we do this exact discussion next year. Do you think that's a, a good thing? I think so. Like, don't be surprised to see. So, Bastianelli still contracted there as a rider. Yeah. She 
She did win some races this year, but at top, she won Omelette von Het Hageland. She was okay in the classics. And not okay, she was quite good, but she she really couldn't she didn't have the kick to win at world tour level. The maybe exception is the reduced sprint in the Tour de France film, which she came second behind Voss. Um looked at for her to mentor those young Italian sprinters like uh was Bertit Solo a sprinter? No, she's a puncher. Ignore that. I mean, Chiara Consoni <laughs> and Persico. Look for her to, um, you know, mentor them and she might keep riding. She might go in the car in 2024, but you're right. It's it's interesting to see what they're doing there. It's basically an Italian team. Um, I think Michaela Harvey signed there as well for two yep. years from Canyon Shram. She came fifth in the Giro of Honor in 2020. She only 24. Uh, so she had a better 2020, not so good uh, 2022. I oh, know they'd, ha- they'd have to win a lot of sprints, Benji. I have to, <laughs> they have to win a lot of sprints, even if SD Against works. Against Yeah. And Balsamo. Like those two aren't as yeah. fast as Balsamo. Uh, Persico, maybe she could be a superstar. Like what if she's a, a proper, like, real superstar? I think she is. Yeah. Like maybe she can win GC at Basque Country if it's a punchy course. Yeah, true. She's made a significant step up from last year, and we see that. I think she got close to winning World Champs at Cyclocross, like second or first. I don't even remember. Um, but then we see this year where she makes that step up on the road significantly, and the Twitter France from is the real indicator of that with the result that she had there. So... It was like gradually stepping up, stepping up, stepping up. Girodon, I think, sixth or seventh, and then Tour de France, fifth or fourth, and then eventually... And third at Worlds. Yeah, third at Worlds. So next year, second at something else. Yeah. I am curious what she'll do at the Classics, knowing that on paper she has that CX history. And yeah, I'm, I'm saying third in RVV. Top three. Yeah, RVV, she'll be the leader. I think for like Hen Vavelhem and Brugger Panna and other races, and, and Binder she'll be the leader, but the flatter ones, they'll have to go for Consoni or Bastianelli, I think. But that's our award show. Thanks for listening as always. Thanks for Zwift's support of the podcast and women's racing both this year and in the future. And we'll see you maybe with the Meme Awards uh, later this week. Ciao. Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.